so tonight uh, we're going to begin our series in the book of Exodus for this semester. And uh, you can see here we have salvation, provision, revelation, and building. And uh, so we'll get into a lot of aspects. And uh, we mainly, in this book of Exodus, would like to see how to experience and enjoy Christ in a corporate way. And the book of Exodus is a book uh, of many pictures showing us many uh, significant, profound matters concerning Christ. Okay? So, uh, you know, without the book of Exodus, there would be many things that we would not have the appreciation and detail concerning these pictures. So, uh, we have to really uh, thank the Lord that He gave us the book of Exodus. It's uh, quite a book, and um, so we're going to begin tonight. Uh, those of us just beginning, you have to understand, we actually have already been covering Exodus in the past, and so we will pick up Exodus this semester, uh, basically beginning in chapter 20, uh, where the uh, very famous giving of the law account is there. And I hope tonight that we can see uh, a new uh, view of what the law is. Uh, many Christians have all kinds of ideas about what the, they consider that the law is. But tonight I hope we have a new vision and a new view of what is the law. Okay? Um, so I think if we get into it in detail we'll have a, a much a deeper appreciation of this. So, uh, so let's read the title of this message all together. I hope you have an outline there in front of you. Uh, if you don't, Rodney will pass one out. If you raise your hand he can get one to you. But... We're going to go according to this outline, outline for the most part tonight and uh, go through. Uh, we'll go through it uh, in just about 30 minutes. And then you'll have a few minutes in group to, to read what's on the back and have a little fellowship. And then we'll finish up with some uh, uh, anyone can share at the very end. So uh, be thinking about that as we're going through this. Or maybe a point that you enjoy or like or have a question about you can bring up in your small group fellowship. Okay? So, let's read the title of this outline all together. Ready? Go. Okay. Uh, so, that's the title tonight. And in Roman numeral 1, we're just going to start quickly with a general sketch of Exodus, uh, which we've talked about in the past as well. But just briefly, we'd like to cover this. When in, in the beginning of Exodus, basically God's people are enslaved in Egypt. And they're under Pharaoh there, uh, building up something for Pharaoh. And they were in uh, a harsh slavery with Pharaoh at that time. And uh, they were made to do hard labor, and eventually the Pharaoh made it even harder. Uh, but praise the Lord, eventually God's people got redeemed. Amen. And they got saved uh, by the Passover lamb. And some of you may re remember the story there. Very excellent picture in detail of uh, showing us a picture of Christ himself as our real Passover. And where we can see redemption uh, in a marvelous detailed picture. Uh, and then eventually, after they were saved, they passed through the Red Sea and they ended up in the wilderness. And in the wilderness, praise the Lord, they got led. Don't you want to be led by God? And they got led by a pillar of cloud during the daytime. And at night, they were led by a pillar of fire. So 
that, that there is a picture of God leading us even today. Uh, there, um, the pillar of fire is something shining in the dark night where the, the Lord can lead us uh, in the dark night that we live in today. Uh, then next, we have there supplied by manna and the water flowing from the rock. So this was God's divine provision for the children of Israel. Uh, both manna coming down from the heavens. The children of Israel would go out and collect that manna, and that was what they would eat daily. I was fellowshipping with a brother recently and said, Wouldn't you like to know the content of that manna? It sustained them for 40 years. And what were the other side dishes they had? Do you remember? Nada. That's the only thing they ate for 40 years. Anyway, that manna also is a picture of Christ, right? And in John 6, he makes that very clear. Uh, then we're going to get into what we're going to cover tonight. Uh, where the Lord led them right to Mount Sinai. Uh, and at Mount Sinai, God's whole heart and intention was to commune with His people. He actually wanted to be with His people and have a fellowship with them. He wanted to get with them. Uh, but uh, we'll get into this picture in a minute. Eventually, on that mountain, you know what? A revelation was given. To Moses there at Mount Sinai. And even this is a real experience of Christ. Even we need to pray tonight, Lord Jesus, give me a revelation. Everyone say that. Lord, Lord Jesus, Jesus, give me a revelation. You know what? We all need revelation. Yeah. This is how God reveals himself to man, okay? Uh, and then finally, in that revelation, a pattern was given of how to produce God's building on the earth. For God's testimony and God's expression on the earth. So this was a marvelous thing uh, to see what God wanted on the earth. <clears throat> this was given by God on the mountain in a clear way so that when Moses came down, he had the pattern. He knew what God's intention was. So this is how Exodus ends. Uh, the last a uh, number of chapters in Exodus focus on this matter of God's building. And again, this is a picture of our Christian life. You know what? We need a pattern of what God's building is. I would say probably it's one of the most misunderstood and confused matters in modern Christianity. What is God's building? Well, Exodus gives us a picture of that, and we'll, we'll come to that in the coming weeks. But tonight... <coughs> We'd like to get into this matter. Uh, after going through the wilderness, eventually God's people got led to Mount Sinai. And there, God got Moses to come up. And during that time, God gave him something very special. That is, firstly, he gave Moses himself. He was up there. Of course, it was a fearful place. They trembled at the bottom of the mountain. They realized this is a, a fearful place because God is going to spend time, the holy God, with this man Moses. And no one else was allowed to come up. And there were uh, strict regulations. If anyone else, man or beast, came close to the mountain, what would happen to them? 
surely die. So this became a, uh, a sanctified and set apart atmosphere where God could come and spend time with Moses in a particular way. Well, during this time, uh, we have to realize, uh, and we're going to look at this in a particular way, that God wanted to do something there with Moses. He wanted to give him the law in a way to reveal who he is. Okay? So, in Roman numeral 2, let's read this together. Ready? Go. The common concept uh, of the law is it's the Ten Commandments and I'm supposed to do my best to keep it. And, uh, I mean, Neil, if I had a nickel for everyone who told me, you know, I keep the Ten Commandments uh, in the last 30 years. Uh, it's a very common concept that these Ten Commandments, uh, otherwise known as the law, were given for man to keep. But actually, uh, we have to realize that the law, and actually all the ordinances that go along with it, were actually God's coming to man in a particular way to speak to him. And to reveal to him who he is in his very person. You know, whatever a person is, the kind of law he gives or writes reflects that. If you're a bank robber... You're going to write laws that reflect the bank robber life and be lenient toward the bank robbers. If you're an immoral person, you'll write laws that reflect the same. So whatever law comes out of a person reveals what kind of person he is. Well, praise the Lord, our, we, praise the Lord for our God, right? Uh, we get to see many aspects, and I just wrote down four here, but there's many more uh, about who our God is. And firstly, let's read letter A. Go. He's jealous. And read 11-2. Go. You know, firstly, our God, He's a jealous God. And uh, one time I heard a, a student telling me, man, jealousy, it's not a good trait. And actually I said, well... You know, God's jealous. Uh, and He's jealous over His people because He loves His people to the uttermost. So actually, this is a very positive characteristic. And we can see, firstly, that our God is a jealous God because He has such a strong feeling and loving feeling towards His people. He's a jealous God. Uh, then letter B says, He's holy. Um, we have the verse here in Exodus 20, verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day so as to sanctify it. Our Lord wants to sanctify or set apart all that belongs to Him. And so He's a holy God. He's very unique. Nothing else is like our God. Uh, I have to be careful. Every one of these topics, I'll fall into a hole and spend the whole night talking about that if I'm not careful. We just want to see here that each matter here reveals an aspect of who our God is. Okay? And this is what the law does, is it reveals who He is. Our God is also, let us see, He's loving. Let's read Exodus 20, verse 6. Go. Is 
This is marvelous. In 1 John 4, 8, it says God is love. And He's a loving God. And He loves, actually, His people as the object of His love. And then finally here, I have our God is righteous. Uh, and here we have, You shall not bow down to them, and you shall not serve them. For I, Jehovah your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me. This shows he's righteous. If someone has a problem with him, uh, he has to take care of things righteously. Okay? So the law um, initially... The thought may be, well, there's Ten Commandments, I'll do my best to keep them. Actually, the law was given to show man, you cannot keep these. You can try your best, but you fall short, right? Because it reveals what kind of God we have, okay? So, this is a big thing to see the law unveils, reveals who is our God, okay? Then, letter three, we'll move on quickly here. There are two aspects of the law. And they're, they're simple, but they're very important. So let's read letter A, go. The letter kills. 2 Corinthians 3, 6, go. Okay, then B. The Spirit gives life. Let's read Romans 8, 4. Go. Okay, so here we see two aspects of the law. Firstly, that the law in, in its simple um, uh, letter only... Outward letter, it just kills. And you may have spoken to a person who knows the law in a way of dead letter. And the dead letter does one thing, it condemns. But the law also, in the realm of the Spirit, can also give us life. And the difference is the condition of our heart. So, when we open to the Lord as a loving seeker, we can get to know the law as something that gives life. The Spirit gives life. And this Spirit uh, gives life to the extent that eventually we can fulfill the righteous requirements of the law by knowing the Spirit as our bountiful supply. Okay, so these two aspects uh, are important to know. The letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Even when we're with one another, how we take the Word in, how we take the law, has everything to do with these two basic aspects, okay? Alright, then Romans 4, let's read this together. Go. Two aspects of the function of the law. Okay, letter A, let's read it. Okay, in Romans 3.20, go. So on the negative side, the law simply exposes man's sin. If there were no law, we wouldn't know the sin. 
But because the law is given, then the sin is made known. Okay? There's the clear knowledge of sin. So this is on the negative side. Uh, but also, uh, Galatians 3.24 makes it clear, So then the law has become our child conductor unto Christ, that we might be justified out of faith. So the law firstly exposes man in his sin, but secondly, because of that, it conducts us to Christ. And the thought here um, in the Greek is that of a uh, child conductor taking someone to a schoolhouse. Come up here with me, Andrew. Uh, the law has come in alongside and it's just taking, taking this person to Christ. And once you have Christ, do you, do you need the law? Because the person has been led to Christ, Christ is actually the fulfillment of the law and the completion of the law. So once the law has done its job, once the law has functioned as a child conductor, and this thought, thank you Andrew, this thought is as a school child being led to a schoolhouse and then released into the custody of the teacher, of the headmaster. So the, the, the law then is a child conductor leading us to Christ. So firstly, it exposes our sin and we realize I can't make it. Then because of that, we realize I need to be brought to, to Christ. So it directs us, it leads us unto Christ himself. So this is the function of the law uh, in a negative sense. But positively, the function of the law is this. Let's read B together. Ready? Go. Dispensing God himself as life. Let's read Psalm 119. Go. The opening gives life. This, this is really marvelous in the positive sense. When we come to the law with an open heart, loving the Lord, seeking the Lord, listening to the Lord, then he dispenses himself as life and light. So in the positive sense, this is the function of the law. Actually, God's heart in giving the law was to fellowship with man, was to impart something of himself into man. His heart was to dispense life and light into man. So this is a this is a wonderful verse. The opening of your words gives light. It gives light. So when we open ourselves to the word, when we open ourselves to the law in a positive sense, we get the dispensing of God himself as life and light. Okay, this is the positive function of the law. Uh, then Romans 5, let's read this all together. Ready? Go. The law Okay, this is, uh, this is really my burden here. We have to realize that with the law as a living word, God's heart was that his substance would be infused into man. God wants to infuse us with himself. And when man comes to God and opens to the Lord in a proper way, in a proper heart, 
we can receive actually the very element of God Himself. Now, amazingly, in the Old Testament, the more you study it, you realize everything in the Old Testament is outward. And everything in the New Testament is inward. So this infusing in the Old Testament we see here in Exodus 34 in this verse here, clearly with Moses, okay? So let's read this verse, two verses, 29 and 35 together. Ready? Go. And when Moses came down from Mount Sinai, and the two tablets of the testimony were in Moses' hand, when he came down from the mountain, Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone by reason of his speaking with him. 35. The children of Israel saw the face of Moses, the skin of Moses' face shone. Okay, this was an amazing thing. Uh, because God was there with Moses and firstly, primarily, he was spending time with Moses face to face. And as he was with Moses, something of God's very element, his substance, was being infused into Moses. So that when Moses came down from the mountain and he was among the people, he didn't even realize he had just received an infusion from God. And so eventually, of course, uh, he, <laughs> with, with the people around him, he realized, wow, I'm shining. And he ended up putting a veil over his face, didn't he? But the fact is, we, and the crucial point we have to realize is, when we spend time with the Lord... In the Word, we want to receive an infusion of God. That's actually our highest profession on this earth. So whether you're going to be a doctor or a lawyer or an engineer or a nurse or whatever your human occupation, our highest profession is actually to spend time with God, being infused by Him, and having His substance transfused into us. And that today is in an inward sense, in our inward being. At that time with Moses, it was outward on his face. God's element, God's substance got infused into Moses at that time, and there was something shining out of him. Really quite marvelous if you think about it. But even the more today with us, when we spend time with God, listen, something of the substance of God gets infused into us. Wow. Amazing. When you spend time with the Lord in the Word, opening to Him as a loving seeker, there is something infusing going on. There's something transmitting that's happening and there is a shining element that's being put into our being. Okay, this is a picture we have to see here. Okay, 2 Corinthians 3.18. Let's look at this first. Read it all together. Ready, go. So as we're with the Lord, beholding Him, spending time with Him, opening to Him, and I would even say being face to face with Him, you know what? There's an infusion going on. There's a shining that's taking place. And there's something 
of the substance of God that's being added to our being. And we become someone full of light, full of shining, because we have spent time under this heavenly transmission. And when we're there with the Lord, there's something being added to us. And that shining produces a transformation in our being. And when we get with people, they may not even be able to express it, explain it, or understand it. But they just know there is something different. Because there's something shining coming out of you. And that shining is actually the substance of God. Wow. So we have to be impressed. In the Old Testament, we have the picture here. But today we're living in the New Testament reality of learning to come to the Word as God speaking and receiving from Him this incredible shining and His substance is being imparted into us and producing something us that is for God's expression on this earth. Okay? Alright, 2 Corinthians 4, 6. Go. Yeah, how about that verse, right? Out of darkness light shall shine is the one who shined in our hearts. So this shows us the shining today is inward. It's inward. The shining in the Old Testament, where was it? It was outward. It was on his face. There was an act, Moses' face actually shone. There was some kind of light, some kind of substance coming out of Moses' face. I'm sure it was quite a sight. But today, the shining, praise the Lord, is in our hearts. It's inward. There's an inward shining. And let me say this, young people. You know, the real problem today in this country and in the world is that the inward condition of man's heart is very dark. And apart from receiving this shining from God, the inward condition of man's heart remains in a darkened state. It remains in a blinded state. And so we need, we need not only an initial experience, but we need a daily experience of receiving this shining from the living Word of God. So that we get the shining from God in our hearts. Okay? Now we know, listen, when we receive that shining, many times we're convicted of our sin. And that's a positive thing. Because right away we should confess whatever gets shined on. So that we can deal with whatever sin that is. So in a, in a good way, that exposing of our inward condition is God's mercy to us. That we could repent and confess of our sin. And then we could open to God's further shining. Okay? Um, <clears throat> this is really wonderful. Eventually, the more we open to this shining from God the more we ourselves become a luminary. We ourselves become a shining light. We become part of God's expression on this earth today. 
So, Philippians 2.15, let's read this first together. Ready? Go. So, God is looking for some luminaries. But those luminaries come out of a people who come to the Word who come, in this case particularly, to the law, who come to God speaking with an open heart, with a loving heart. And as we come to Him and open to Him, we get God shining. And when the Lord shines on us, then there's the potential, as we open to this shining and receive this substance within, that we become part of God's expression on the earth today. So this is a marvelous thing. This is quite a different view of the law than you might have expected tonight. A word on Exodus 20. But you might say this is the intrinsic essence of God's heart here in this chapter. To visit man, to commune with man, to fellowship with man, and eventually to infuse himself into his people. So this is God's heart. Praise the Lord for the law. Yes. Right? Now, finally here, Roman numeral 6. Two kinds of people dealing with the law. Two kinds of people. Letter A, read it. And letter B. So there's either loving seekers or letter keepers. Loving seekers or letter keepers. The loving seekers are always opening their heart to the Lord. And I would even say turning their heart to the Lord. This is a phrase the New Testament uses. But whenever their heart turns to the Lord. Okay? The veil is taken away. 2 Corinthians 3.16. So we have to learn to exercise all the time to turn our heart to the Lord. And when we do this, this makes us a loving seeker. The letter keepers are like the Judaizers who cared for the outward letter, but no inward reality. And I just left a reference there for you in Matthew 15. Uh, this is where... Uh, uh, the uh, Pharisees came to the Lord and they were basically uh, accusing his, his disciples of not washing their hands and it, it gets into it and basically the Lord says you honor me with your lips but your heart is far away from me so this shows us what God cares for is inward reality you might be able to spout Bible verses and say all kinds of things from the Bible. But the real question is, where is our heart? And the condition of our heart determines whether or not we're a loving seeker or a letter keeper. So all the time we need to practice turning our heart to the Lord and saying, Lord Jesus, I open to you. Lord Jesus, I turn my heart to you. Lord Jesus, I open to your word. Lord Jesus, shine on me. Lord Jesus, speak to me. I don't mean you have to shout like that. But the inward condition of your heart is what matters. 
So the heart is very important in this realm of becoming a loving seeker after God. If we do this, if we do this, you know what? We receive the substance of God. We receive the shining of God. And this makes us part of God's present expression on this earth. Listen, UT campus is a dark campus. It's a dark campus. Why? Why is it dark? Is it dark because a football team lost last week? <laughs> it's dark because of the condition of man's heart. And so today the Lord is after loving seekers. And if we open ourselves to the Lord, when we open ourselves to His Word, you know what? We can receive Him in a rich way. Now, listen, even in my experience, I've been with brothers before, and we were having some prayer, and then we stopped, and someone walked up and said, you guys are shining. I mean, there was no fellowship before that. They just walked up and said that. You know what? That's part of God's expression. They saw something of the light of God. But more than that, as we're here together on the campus, especially corporately as a group, you know what? We can experience the shining God corporately together being God's expression on this campus. And I would even say, even in twos and threes in small groups as we're together on campus, as we spend time enjoying the Word, fellowshipping together, being together uh, in a way to open to the Lord, Eventually, even when we go out and speak to people, you know what? There's a real shining that's going on on this campus. So, a lot of practical application, but we just have to be impressed that God wants to infuse His substance into man. Okay, well, that's my main burden tonight. If you heard that, you got it. Uh, how about we break up in some small groups now and we'll read the section on the back. It has a little further fellowship on this matter. And we'll come back in a few minutes and have overflow corporately.